Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for the AEW news, reviews, and previews. My name is Andy. Sitting right next to me in this beautiful chair is Jenny. <laughs> Hello. And 116 miles to our southwest is Megan. Hello. Hi. Now, we got a lot of things to talk about, as always, but before we get into any of them, let's talk about the thing we do first every week. The Elite Beat Pop of the Week. That's right. Guys, got a little something different for you this week. Oh gosh, I'm excited. I'm popping a greater Sunday. Oh, and there was no sound. Oh, that oh, was I, disappointing. I heard something. I heard like the little like, whoosh <laughs> as you opened the little plastic canister. Goodness gracious. Andy, what do you have? Um, I have a Coca-Cola. All right. Megan? Jenny, did you literally just open a drink, though, to go with your Sunday? I did, but like I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to pop two things. Okay, well that's okay. I gotta hold up the alcoholic end of this podcast. I have a Gloria Ferrar Pinot Noir. Ooh, fun because it rhymes, and uh, it's a reserve because as Cody and his his lady Brandy say, you got to pay for Pinot. That's right. Did you get your Gloria shipment? Yeah, oh, I hasn't come yet. Oh, see. Maybe I just live closer to California. No, that makes zero sense. Um, when did you get it? Uh, when is it today? Thursday? I think last week. The end of last week. I I mean, they charged my credit card on the first. It's been 16 days. I still don't have mine. They charged my credit card as well, and I do have mine. And I say you got to pay for Pinot, but I genuinely don't know how much I paid for this because it just comes as part of a club thing, and I try not to look at the money that I spend. So, <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm going to try to get a cork sound. Here we go. Oh, gosh. That's the sound of me struggling. Here we go. Nice. It was kind of a little sad, like, flip, but, you know. It was a little sad flip, but it was still better than any of ours. I just like the fact that you popped uh, an ice cream sundae. I did. You know, that, I, I deserve this sundae. <laughs> I was going to say, does that mean that you came directly from Graders? Because it looks like a, a to-go cup we, of uh, sundae. We picked up Graders before we picked up sushi. So it's been in the freezer for about an hour. So, Oh, my God. You guys had like a fancy Thursday night. We did. Today is Thursday, like right? Okay. It is Thursday. Man, I'm all turned around on days. There's so much wrestling to watch now. <laughs> I know, so right? Much. So much. Yeah, we've been we've been like kind of disorganized on the show of late. Just things just like, you know, life real life butting into situations. Um but I do want to play a little cleanup from the pay-per-view because we never talked about our prediction contest. Oh, oh gosh, uh, because are we about to hear Jenny gloat? It's probably because <laughs> it's probably well, I'm going to get to that. Okay, it's probably because we didn't make our picks on the air mm. that we just kind of like forgot about it. But uh, I can tell you that uh, the three of us did make picks the uh, the day of the pay-per-view. Uh, Megan, you 
picked the Young Bucks to defeat the Lucha Bros, and so you you missed out on a point there. And you picked MJF to retire Chris Jericho, and so you missed out on a point there. You got you got everything else right. So you got eight out of ten uh, correct. Although technically you did write Jenny Omega <laughs> for your uh, pick for the Christian match. So I mean, I, I if can't this, be if, blamed. If that were the deciding factor, I, I might I might take that away from you. But uh, you were already out of the running, uh, <laughs> as as Jenny and I uh, both got nine out of ten. Wow, correct. Uh, with Jenny missed out because she picked Riho to win the battle royal, mm-hmm. and she does have a gripe because Riho was not thrown over the top rope. Yeah. Um, and I. Well, so does Riho. I think I could, I should get like a. A quarter of a point there. Okay. And I, uh, for some reason, thought Darby Allen was going to beat CM Punk. So I also <laughs> got 9 out of 10. But because of the Riho situation, I do think I want to give you a partial point. So you win. Oh, my God. So with 9 and a quarter out of a possible 10 points, uh, Jenny is the all-out 2021 prediction champion. I'll take it. Yeah. Woo! Now, I also asked um, our... Uh, past contributors to make picks now these are Ooh. these are not official these are not champagne bet picks okay so if they win i, I mean i, I two still of, win two of them are goddamn teetotalers so it doesn't you know they wouldn't be interested in a champagne bet in the first place but <laughs> justin um, has told us he actively doesn't want to get roped into one because <laughs> god help him <laughs> if he wins <laughs> yes uh so so justin jabiro uh who by the way will be our guest next week on the elite beat Oh my god! It's very exciting. He's he's very hyped about the uh, the big Arthur Ashe Stadium show. Uh, he got goodness. Cool, Jenny. He got, he... Nine, he got nine out of ten. He picked Thunder Rosa to win the battle royal, not Ruby Soho. So so no quarter point there. So no quarter point there. And then well, she did end up being the one to challenge ruby at the very end so i don't know maybe you give him a quarter maybe jenny is dealing with a tie situation i don't know i mean i feel like i get a quarter because my person wasn't actually eliminated all right and is therefore still fighting her own battle royale goodness um and then i had jason and Jeff do theirs, but I'm having trouble finding them right now. But uh, so I can't. I can't help us there. Sorry. Anyway, uh, but but they they both they both also contributed. It's unlikely they got all ten right. <laughs> so I don't let's know, Jenny. Call me the winner. I think J- I, I believe Jason got nine out of ten also. So I, and I don't recall what Jeff got, but we, you know that's that's fine. Anyway, <laughs> so. Let us talk about AEW Rampage for last Friday night. It would be the 10th of uh, September. And uh, this was an interesting show because I don't know if you knew this, Megan. And in fact, I know you didn't know this because you didn't watch it as it aired. They put it up on um, on Fight as it was airing on TNT uh, without commercials. So people watching on fight were able to uh, travel into the future and uh, they finished the show at about, you know, 1045. 
I would be willing to potentially watch the show if I could have it end by 1045. I don't think, I think that is something that's probably going to be fixed. I think that was a a bug, not a feature. (laughs) Uh, Well, I will say I watched it after the fact and they did not put in those um, typical AEW music logo breaks where instead of commercial, like I didn't get any picture in picture. They cut away, but I also didn't get any music and logo interludes. It it was a tight forty five. Like nice. They probably just finished the damage. Figured the damage was done for this week, so just <laughs> yeah. Like his already out there, which I appreciated. I was like, ooh, forty five minutes. I don't even have to fast forward. Thank you. Yeah, I bet somebody just didn't even think about it because you know if the show were live, it wouldn't it wouldn't matter. You know because you wouldn't be able to do that. So like they yeah, probably, probably didn't even think about it. But anyway. So, this was the show that had the big Andrade versus Pac match move to it. And uh, I, I think there was a lot of people feeling that, you know, moving that show from the pay-per-view was like a sign that they didn't have faith in it or like that it was, it was a bad sign for Andrade. But I think in retrospect, I think that the fact that they got to be the focus of their own show instead of like the sixth or seventh most anticipated match on All Out... I think actually worked in their favor. Hmm. Yeah. Whether they meant to do that be- because of lack of faith or not, it definitely seems like it would have gotten lost in that already fully packed pay-per-view schedule. And I thought the match on rampage was super good and made Andrade look better than he ever has been in AAW before. And obviously like packs always good. So just overall, I think it was a good service to that match to be able to feature it in that in a much smaller show where it's like one of three instead of one of just like a lot of really good matches. Yeah, they got 16 minutes. I, 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 they I, wouldn't have gotten that. I don't think they would have. I think they would have probably topped out at about 12 on pay-per-view um, if, if that. So uh, especially with a pay-per-view that was that packed. Yeah, they might have gotten cut short, like, in the moment. Yeah, like so. Paul White and QT Marshall, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, uh, Andrade got the win uh, as the Taylor man, like, or Jose. whatever he is. The what? Jose. His name's I Jose. I he, believe they referred to him as a generic assistant. He leapt onto the apron and started brandishing a stun gun. What? Yeah. I'm was, pretty sure those are illegal. Which is very rude. <laughs> and uh, this distracted the referee and allowed Chavo to come in and uh, and hit Pac from behind with a uh, like a suitcase, briefcase kind of thing. And uh, put, put uh, Andrade on top. And Andrade got the win. But uh, apparently... Andrade was not happy that Chavo interfered on his behalf, despite being a, uh, a mean heel. And he and he uh, he turned on Chavo, and then the Lucha Brothers, you know, came out and they beat on Chavo some more. That's then, a really complicated. And then Pac put him in the Brutalizer. So I feel like this was the write-off of Chavo. Seems like maybe. Seems like Chavo's out of the club for now. Yes, I do. I do think it's funny that Andrade was like. I'm mad at Chavo for interfering, 
But Jose, you bust that sun gun out anytime you want. I'm okay with that. <laughs> like you can stand on the apron and wave it around. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had uh, Darby Allen uh, doing an interview, responding to uh, he and Sting responding to Telly Blanchard's challenge from Dynamite, and Sting uh, accuses Tully of riding on Ric Flair's coattails, which Ooh. is another. I feel like we're getting some some Ric Flair references here and there, uh, for sure. And then uh, Tully comes out. And this distracts Sting, and Sean Spears takes out Darby from behind. And, uh, of course, that leading to Darby versus Sean on uh, Dynamite this week. Sean Spears, you generic piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We get a little little interview with uh, Adam Cole. and Baby. Baby, indeed. Baby, indeed. (laughs) And uh, he basically just talks shit about Brian Danielson. Brian uh, responds, says, like, I am not really after the whole elite. I'm just here to go after Kenny Omega. And, uh, you know, so that kind of laid out his intentions. I love that uh, Daniel Bryan gets to slide in a little of the real Brian, where he's like, it just seems like the way the elite talk and dress is a sign of how insecure they are. I'm like, oh, Brian. (laughs) It's almost like he has experience with that. That. Uh, we got next up, I we got something I thought was really fun. It was a, a women's trios match with uh, Dr. Britt Baker, Rebel, and Jamie Hayter versus Riho, Ruby Soho, and Chris Statlander. And uh, this is just all uh, all action, and it was it was what a treat, and and what a what a what a base that Jamie Hayter is for for the high flying maneuvers. Definitely, she's very uh, solid, good at catching. I like her heel work. I don't remember caring about her at all prior to her comeback. I don't didn't even remember who she was, but in the few matches she's had, she's already kind of emerging for me as like a new like heel favorite on the ladies side. It's creeping up into your fave five. Creeping up, <laughs> as Booker T would say. Also, I do think Chris Statlander and Riho have been talking to Jurassic Express because Riho was the Marco stunt to Chris Statlander's Luchasaurus in this match. <laughs> Oh, yeah, she stood on her shoulders at one point, yeah, yeah and, and jumped off of them. And I felt like Chris Statlander was, like, helping, you know, picking her up for things. It was it was cute. Absolutely. That's fun. Uh, this, uh, this was going along very well. Uh, they got nine minutes. And uh, Ruby Soho beat Rebel with the riot kick, which uh, still didn't get a reaction. Um, but it will. She just needs to keep beating people with it. Because she never beat anybody with it in WWE, so nobody knows what her finisher is. <laughs> No, and hopefully it won't take many matches of her winning with it for people to realize. It's been two. She hasn't beaten anybody with anything else. This is her move, guys. She should just do a match where that's all she does. (laughs) The whole time. And that takes us to our main event. Although Rampage is like a backward show. The main event is really the first match every week because of the late hour. Um, But we go to our final match. We got Brian Pillman Jr. in his hometown of Cincinnati, Ohio, taking on Platinum Max Caster. And uh, Max Caster, you know, he goes he goes off on uh, Skyline Chili, which is fine, I guess. Lazy. <laughs> no, I just like that's that's you know Skyline Chili ain't that great. <laughs> I mean, I'm a gold star person, but 
I'm sure people in Cincinnati would find me over it. Um, he also got in an obligatory Pete Rose insult because, of course, if you're in Cincinnati and you're trying to rile people up, you have to drop that. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, these two go 638. Uh, they have a it was a pretty fun back and forth sprint of a match, and uh, Pillman gets the win with a springboard clothesline. So nice big victory for uh, for young Pillman in his hometown. While wearing Bengals gear. While wearing Bengals gear. That's, oh. absolutely, that's absolutely true. And uh, Bowens, you know, comes in and tries to get the jump on Pillman at the, at the end of the match. And that brings John Moxley, a much hometown bigger hometown hero, hero yeah, <laughs> down to, uh, to to help clean house and, and to really to endorse young uh, Pillman Jr. I thought their interaction was so cute. He, like, hooked his arm around him and was like, you know, hyping up the crowd as if they weren't, there were flying Brian chants. Brian Pillman has never gotten chance in his life that I know <laughs> of on these, these dynamite shows and yeah. man, good for him. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk ratings. Now, Megan, last week was a big week for AEW dynamite as they actually surpassed WWE raw in the 18 to 49 demo and won Monday or not Monday night, they won the week, which they'd never done before. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? Do you think, do you think they did it again or do you think that's yes. uh okay. What do you think, Megan? Based on show quality, I they better have. Okay. But we know that ratings are a lacking indicator and not indicative of the quality of the show that you're watching. Oh yeah. Crap. Okay. Well, still, <laughs> I hope they're riding the wave. I hope it's it's still on the upswing. Okay, here we go. Ugh. AEW Dynamite, this is, uh, of course, from John Pollock of Post Wrestling, was the top cable program on Wednesday, and for the second straight week, edged out WWE Raw in the key 18 to 49 demographic. Yay! I'm dancing with joy over here as if that's, they need that. <laughs> the September 15th edition of Dynamite from the Prudential Center saw AEW average 1.175 million viewers and 574,000, which is a 0. .44. 1.75? 1.175. Oh, 1.175. I'm sorry. In the 18 to 49 <laughs> demo. Uh, while the numbers were down 11% in viewership and 16% in 18 to 49, it was enough for AEW to own the night and finish number one among 18 to 49 and males 18 to 49, while finishing second with adults 18 to 34 behind MTV's The Challenge. <laughs> How is this show so compelling? MTV's The Challenge finished second on cable with a .40, and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills was third with .36. Is The Miz on The Challenge? He's not. I don't understand why it gets such a big viewership. Yeah. In the 18 to 49 demo, Dynamite averaged 574,000 viewers compared to 556,000 on WWE Raw. So last week they beat Raw by 3,000 viewers in the demo. This week they beat them by 18,000 viewers. So it was, it was oh, definitely definitely it was Damn. it was you know last week you could theoretically have said like well that's a that's a rounding error like <laughs> you know but uh, but this week I think it's a little more a little more substantial. So good on Dynamite. Good on those guys. They're doing a great job over there. They've really clearly got a ton of momentum. Megan, I can't wait uh, to talk about this week's Dynamite with you 
and kind of look forward because I, I've I've never seen two shows loaded up like they loaded up next week at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. I'm really excited. Well, guess what? We can do that. We have a whole podcast that we're doing right now. God, I hope I can get it on the schedule. I was really hoping uh, <laughs> we could talk about Dynamite today. I know we don't usually, but... <laughs> Can we cut back our uh, our two hour chat about BTE? Maybe <laughs> we don't cover BTE on the show anymore. Maybe cut some time. Uh, we don't, but I will say this week's BTE. Uh, I I'm still really enjoying the Adam Cole trying to adjust to to four years past. I think oh, that's, that's funny. some good stuff. Yeah, and, he didn't. Know, he didn't know. He was like he was wondering where Cody was, and then they said like, oh, he like went. He's he's like a game show host now. Yeah, and they're like, he's like, oh, that's weird. And then he said, like, well, I'm going to go get a beer with the hangman. And they were just like, uh, okay. And then he leaves. And then Kenny is just, like, sputtering to himself, like, we're just we're doing, doing a lot of long-term storytelling with the hangman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Adam's not in the group anymore. And oh. I also really liked how uh, they called back to why Kenny had to kill him in the first place. Like, Adam went to pick up a monster drink. He's like, oh, I think I'll have this. And they're like, um... He says, maybe, maybe not monster, maybe not monsters, because they had poisoned it. And then when he leaves, Kenny's like, I'm I'm happy Adam's here. You know, our, our beef's done because they had killed him because Kenny was jealous, mm-hmm. thought Adam was trying to take a spot. And then Kenny goes, uh, we're, I'm good with Cole as long as he stays in his lane. Well, and this is the thing, they killed Adam, he killed Adam Cole because he was jealous of him taking a spot. But it was clearly that Cody was taking a spot. Not well, Adam Cole. He feuded with Cody. He didn't kill Cody. Well, he should have killed Cody too. Well, Cody didn't sign a contract with WWE. Sure, that's true. And, and Kenny, Kenny did come to the self-realization that maybe he should have just politicked behind his back rather than you know murdering. Yeah. Well, that's that's smart. Yeah, murder is never the way. Eh, never say never. But yeah, that I just. I continue to love the original crew, the the super, the elite click, the super click, getting back together on the BT. Yeah. But since we don't cover that show, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, move into the dynamite recap for the week. Um, this show was awesome. I'm just going to say at the top, like a win all around. So we're at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, CM Punk is joining the announce team tonight. One of the one of the I think the third the third biggest crowd in company history I believe. Uh, they probably said that stat, and I didn't write it down, but I would believe it. It seemed pretty packed. Yeah, I think I think the order is, I think it's the 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 Punk debut at the second rampage. I think it's the debut of Dynamite in Washington D.C. at the because mm-hmm. they ran like the Washington Wizards basketball arena, and sold it out, and then this would be number three. So. All of their largest crowds have been on just dynamites and or rampages and not pay per views. Yeah, they've never run like a like a huge a huge huge arena for a pay per view. Is that that's different, right? Like that's a different mentality. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's weird. Uh, they're very loyal to that that now arena in Chicago because of All In. Mm-hmm. So they've got the plaque on it, you know. Yeah, so they always run there. And, uh, you know, they only got to run like 
a few pay-per-views before the pandemic set in. And then every pay-per-view was at Daly's place for a long time. That's true. So I, they're supposed to be, now there is some news. I, I should just go ahead and get into this here. Uh, you know, we talked last week about how Full Gear was rescheduled. It was pushed back a week. And is it still on a Saturday? It's still on a Saturday. Okay. <laughs> but we don't we didn't know there was no announcement of where where it would be at that point. Oh. And I think people just thought like, oh, it'll just still be in St. Louis just a week later. Yeah. Now it's looking like it's probably going to be in like the Minneapolis area. Okay. And the so people are saying that they think that maybe like they might run the Minnesota Timberwolves NBA arena, which would be if they if they do well there, that would definitely be their biggest pay-per-view crowd ever. Okay. Now, this is all moot, really, because next week is going to be their biggest attendance ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. That's, you know, I'm happy for them, though. This crowd was this crowd was hyped. Uh, and I'm sorry. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. You were talking about CM Punk, and I cut you off. So no, it was actually a good, good point to interrupt because uh, I was just saying CM Punk is joining the announced team. You know, just FYI, he's here. I don't think he's replacing anyone. He just is added on for most of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, he also gets a moment as he's walking out to join the team, where he takes a trip down the stage platform or the um, the ramp and literally jumps from the ramp into the welcoming arms of the crowd just for a minute, just to soak it in. And then he goes to announce. I just thought that was fun. He's really enjoying himself and it's kind of weird and great to see him actually legitimately happy. There's a guy in the cluster that he jumped into who was taking an Instagram story at that moment (laughs) and he gets wiped the fuck out. (laughs) What a what a perfect illustration of how you should live in the moment instead of trying to capture it on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I love it. Um, I thought CM Punk was a big plus on commentary. I did too. And it also, I cannot help but compare it to when he was doing commentary in WWE. He did not sound pissed off. He <laughs> was not like aggro on people. He was actually delightful and i think he and excalibur should be an announced team on something because they are both drawing from the same deep well of wrestling knowledge and they play off each other well and it was just fun to hear them talk Uh, and apologies to tony and jr who just fell silent when they interacted because they clearly didn't know what was going on well and i just appreciated that he didn't yell he just had like a normal (laughs) calm exciting voice no yelling he's a no face screaming. well he's he's not a he's not a yelly guy at least uh not in this like kinder gentler uh cm punk persona the mature punk yeah i think jenny was was uh, drawing a, a comparison to chris jericho on commentary yes oh for sure chris jericho is always up Screaming. at 11 he's a rock star jenny he's used to screaming to his crowd of shouldn't he be adoring fans to his crowd not screaming he scream sings <laughs> that's fine um but yeah like it, it's just what a great start in that sense like 
before we even get into any matches, um, I will say there was a a member of the crowd who had a sign that I think really just captured my mentality. It just said, I hope they have fun. Like, that was it. That was the sign. <laughs> I, just, I hope they have fun. And I was like, yes, sir. I, I hope everyone on the show has fun. I love it. It's a great sign. It just said they? Yep. I, I just hope they have fun. <laughs> okay. He was right, in, like, near the front area. So he kept popping it up throughout all the matches. I'm like, good catch-all. Good catch-all. <laughs> like, a, you know, supporting a five-year-old soccer game. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're running around. There's there's no rules. Just hope they have fun. So let's get into it because uh, I had fun. And I'm pretty sure based on our text exchange, Andy had fun while watching this. Um, so the first match of the evening is Adam Cole against the elite hunter, Frankie Kazarian. Um, Adam Cole, he, he gets his crowd reaction. He's a man of the people, except he's mean, which is fun. He Uh, needs to, there needs to be better moments in his song for his, for his, like his, his boom and his Adam Cole baby though. I agree. It doesn't quite fit the way he does it. His undisputed era music was like designed for that. Yes, it was amazing. Yeah. So, I, I think he still gets people when he cues them visually, but if you were just listening to the song, you definitely wouldn't know. So, but he I still has- definitely heard everyone do the boom at the end. Yeah. He so still I gets think them. He got them ready for that. Yeah, it's just it's not as good. I mean, the Adam Cole baby was incredibly <laughs> loud, but it didn't it didn't seem like it seemed like the fans willed it into existence rather than there being like a good point in the in the song for that to happen. Yeah, they're like, we're going to shout this at, yes. at some point. It's just going to happen. They should just get him Santa baby. Santa baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Mikey yeah. Ruckus needs to work on it. That's all I'm saying. I think- I think he got I think he got the biggest reaction on the entire show. To his entrance. Mm, did he get a bigger reaction than Brian Danielson's yeses? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I, I would I think so. But I could be wrong. People were hyped to do it. I know that much. And it was loud. Um Adam Cole is probably wondering why the hell Frankie Kazarian is alone without Christopher Daniels. I mean it's been four years, but he doesn't know the backstory, why he's the elite hunter. Uh, but these two had a had a good, solid opening match that was, you know, much like all Dynamites, the opening match is real fun. Um, Adam Cole is here to win, and he does that. He, he, does, or he does a knee shot to Frankie's face after he gets him with the Panama Sunrise and gets the pin. Um he does his he does Jenny's favorite thing that he used to do in NXT, which is lower his uh, lower his <laughs> knee pad to really make that knee devastating. That's how you know he means business. That knee is naked and it's coming for your face. Yeah. So yeah, um, I, I thought this match was awesome. Yeah, I, Frankie can still go, and Adam Cole is obviously still in his prime. So I, I think they work well together. I think anyone who was concerned that. Adam Cole was going to get lost. And this includes me because I was one of those people who was concerned that Adam Cole was going to get lost in the shuffle with debuts by CM Punk and Brian Danielson coming so close. I think 
I think he's going to be just fine. He seems very comfortable in the new company. Like he, he does not seem to have missed a step. He also slid right back into his role as Adam Cole with like in the context of everybody else very well. I think he's, yeah, I think he's going to be okay. It probably helps that he's been backstage a lot over the last like two years with Britt. Yeah. Um. So like, I don't think he really lost touch with the, with the people, and I'm sure he's been building the relationship. So That's it does true. feel very seamless. And he wrestled with, I'm assuming, a lot of these people in anyone who was in Ring of Honor. He probably crossed paths with before he had gone to WWE. You know, like yeah, they, I'm sure it's not his first time wrestling some of these people. Including Frankie Kazarian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a moment on commentary where Tony declared, I can be friends, or you can be friends with a girl, the general you. Yes. Because um, the drama of, you know, associating with Brit post Adam Cole's threat, it still lingers, you know? Tony wants to be friends with Brit. Adam Cole was apparently very upset about it. But you can be friends with a girl. Did you hear, uh, did you listen to Unrestricted yet? No. Oh, gosh. Does he address it? <laughs> so Tony and, uh, it, it's it's Tony and Aubrey basically just kind of, um, just like, I, I got on a, like a compilation of just kind of like how they have felt the last couple weeks about all the debuts and, and all the like backstage, like gossip basically about <clears> how, <throat> th- how it's, how all the new people are doing and everything and like the momentum the company has. And he said that that segment last week where Cole called him a nerd. Oh, gosh. He, he said that <laughs> backstage he talked to him and he said, and like, Tony was like, I don't want to, like, you know, I don't want to say anything wrong here. But Adam Cole's like, really, like, the nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. And, uh, and he said backstage, he said, he said to him, he said, Adam Cole said to him, um, so... I'm going to, I'm going to call you a nerd. Um, and then the people will boo because, because I'm the one who's really a nerd. (laughs) And then he forgot to call him a nerd at first. And so Tony just stood there when he said, get out of, get out of my ring. Cause he's supposed to say, get out of my ring nerd. And, And he just stood there. Tony just stood there. And then he kind of, prompted Cole and jogged his memory and then Cole said nerd and then he got out of the ring. So they go backstage and Tony Khan's like, when he says get out of the ring, you gotta get out of the ring, Tony, because like, you know, he's a wrestler. So you know, you gotta you gotta like sell for him more. And Tony was trying to explain that like, no, he was supposed to call me a nerd. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> oh yeah, Adam Cole seems like a genuinely very nice young man. And I could also see him going up to Tony and apologizing for calling him a nerd after even though they confirmed that that's that's what was going to be said yeah it's adorable i also love that tony khan's like the wrestler tells you to get out of the ring you got to get out of the ring announced team is below wrestler yeah <laughs> there is a hierarchy oh <laughs> so cute okay well adam cole after this match has another story time segment so story time with adam cole baby uh he says hope is a dangerous thing the locker room hopes that they can keep up with the elite, but they can't. And there are three guys on the roster who have gotten under Cole's skin since he's been here. And that is Christian, Luciosaurus, and Jungle Boy. Cole challenges these three men to a match on Rampage against him and the Young Bucks. Rampage for Grand Slam next week, not this week's Rampage. You're right. Yeah. 
Everything I say about Rampage is going to be in Rampage. I'm just going to say it now because I won't remember to make that qualifier. But everything I believe related to a Rampage is for that one that comes up on this show. <laughs> okay. I will, I'll, I'll, I'll fact check you live. Okay. <laughs> Good. Um, Do you but- think he hates Jungle Boy because Jungle Boy and Britt Baker are besties? Probably. And like the hair, you know? Yeah. But yeah. How do you how do you think that CM Punk feels about um Adam Cole stealing his uh squatting sitting move? They should do a feud over it, over like sitting cross legged versus <laughs> squatting down to tell your stories. Look, Adam Cole, that's my story time. Okay. Get out of here. But yeah, the super click is back, baby. And I wonder if they're going to start referring to themselves as that, because so far I think Adam Cole's the only one who has called them that. I believe uh, the Young Bucks filed a trademark for that term last week. Oh, okay. So I would not be surprised to see merchandise start popping up. It may have already. There is a there is now an the Elite is Complete shirt, which looks pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Super click party. That's right. So to clarify, is the super click... Adam, the, and the Bucks. Bucks. Oh, and that's no, it? No, it excludes Kenny, and that's why Kenny killed him. Oh. So be careful. <laughs> okay. There's so many people around the nebulous elite. Like, the Good Brothers are here, but also they're not part of this company. And then I thought that they were more the Bullet Club. It's just, like, a lot of a lot of branches to this faction. And the Bucks are in all of them. Yeah, everyone wants to be besties with uh, Nick. That's probably it. You're right. <laughs> Young Bucks were not on the show. Uh, Good Brothers were not on the show. Good Brothers are getting phased out, right? Like, we don't need them anymore, so they'll be gone. Right? I don't know. I have, I have no in, inside knowledge of that. I feel like they've got Impact to go back to. Um, yeah. Well, they, they never left Impact. They're They're on that show every week. Well, they spend a lot of time wherever the Bucks are. I've got to say, for people who who have a whole separate show, they sure are backstage at Dynamites a lot. Yeah. <sighs> when, when does Impact air or tape or whatever? They tape in like blocks. So, mm-hmm. but they air they air Thursdays. Okay. Okay, that makes it a little more understandable. I was picturing them just flying out repeatedly throughout the week. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Well, the the Bucks weren't here on this show, but next up we have a video package for the Lucha Brothers, who are the current AEW Tag Team Champions, taking that title from the Bucks. And they uh, are going to have a match for those Tag Team Championships on Rampage against the Butcher and the Blade. And this is the Rampage that's the big one. Nope. That is no? this, this week's Rampage. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. <laughs> They can, they do this to themselves. I, I should not be punished for com- being confused because it's all called Rampage, damn it. I Megan, I agree with you. They they confuse me every week on their previews because <laughs> it's never the always the next week. They're like mixing things up. We get it. You're planning ahead, but just like, please. <sighs> anyway, so that's coming up on a Rampage, the closer Rampage, this Friday. Um mm-hmm. The next thing we have is an interview with Tony Schiavone talking to Fuego Del Sol and Sammy Guevara, who are hanging out on 
Fuego's new car because apparently when he got signed to AEW, he he got both a contract and a car. It didn't sound like he bought it. It just sounded like he got it. Which oh, I thought a, he bought it. That's when you have a good agent. Yeah, maybe he had smart Mark Sterling on working on his behalf. Uh, regardless, he has this car, and I guess he doesn't like it all that much because he immediately puts it on the line to get an opportunity to face Miro one last time for the TNT championship. So the winner gets the championship and the car. And I think Fuego, what are you doing? Fuego should talk to Orange Cassidy because Orange Cassidy will be able to tell him that Fuego is no Dominic Toretto and he should not (laughs) wrestle for pinks. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Um, So yeah, I guess we're going to get to see Fuego lose his car and probably Miro destroy it. That's what I'm anticipating. Because there's no way poor young Fuego is going to take that title from Miro. Uh, After that, we go to the ring where MJF comes out to be a total asshole. He takes some cheap shots at the New Jersey crowd. He gets shut the fuck up chance, which I think is great, but maybe not for television. Um, I I don't know. I don't understand what's allowed on television after this episode of Dynamite, quite frankly. I don't either, because this is the first of a few chants that involve the word fuck. And it's not like it's not like uncoordinated chants. You can definitely understand what the crowd was saying, but they didn't yeah. believe it. So mm. I, he deserves it. You know, shut the fuck up, MJF. You're saying a lot of stuff. Um, and then, man, he is really going hard for Brian Pillman's family. Both last week and this week, he says that he he's salt of the earth and religious, but uh, because of that, he's going to talk to the late, great Brian Pillman. He looks up at the sky, presumably to heaven, because that's where heaven is. He says, hold on, let me be realistic. And then he looks down at the ground, where presumably hell is, and he says, hey, Brian Pillman. Um, I don't even know what he says, but he his bit was that he's implying Pillman's in hell. And then he calls Brian Pillman Jr.'s mom, Methany, which is a callback to last week because he's joking about meth. Oh and gosh. I guess her meth problem. Wait, isn't isn't MJF Jewish? Why would he, like, believe in hell? I don't know. I don't know how... Uh how faithful young Maxwell is. Like, you know, I He's don't... got tattoos and I'm pretty sure you're not supposed oh, yeah. to do that yeah. if you're Jewish. You can't be buried in an Orthodox cemetery. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was an I episode mean, of the nanny about that. Well, thank God somebody explained it to us in a way we could consume and understand. So I, all, all I know about Jewish culture, I learned from the nanny and Woody Allen movies. That feels like, what all non-Jewish people would say about <laughs> knowing about the Jewish culture. <laughs> Apologies to the Jewish culture. Um, but, you know, regardless, MJF still knows where heaven and hell are. He's speaking to the Christians in the crowd. Let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, he, oh God, he says some stuff and I'm like, ooh, Brian Pillman Jr., your mom is getting insulted. Your dad's getting insulted. So Eddie Guerrero died in November of 2005. Rey Mysterio and Randy Orton had a feud in February of 2006, three months later. Rey, during this period of time following Eddie's death, would often look up to the sky and, like, point and, you know, basically, like, oh, I'm doing it for you, Eddie, and all this stuff. 
And during one promo, Randy Orton interrupted Ray and said, I don't know why you're pointing up there. Eddie's in hell. (gasps) So I thought about that last night when I watched MJF's promo. And it did not hit me the same way because 24 years is different than three months. (laughs) Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, Randy Orton. You piece of shit. <laughs> well, let's be real. Yeah, Vince McMahon, you piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Orton's no angel either, though. Yeah. My God. Okay, so, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of opening wounds, I think. Here, um, luckily Brian Pillman Jr.'s music hits, and he's finally had enough of this garbage talk against his family. MJF. Turns to Wardlow and says, go, go meet him up there. Go meet him up there. Brian Pillman Jr. has not appeared on the stage at all, but Wardlow runs up there. And so naturally that leaves MJF open in the ring for Brian Pillman to pop up from, I guess, the crowd or maybe crawling around on the outside. Either way, he brought a chair. And so he jumps in the ring with a chair. Wardlow tries to attack him, but Pillman Jr. swats him away. And he, Wardlow and MJF retreat. Because the chair is enough to scare them away. But basically, like, MJF talked a lot of shit. He's a bad man. He's a bad man. I think that, I think Brian Pillman Jr. is going to beat MJF. I hope oh. so. Because I really hope so. MJF made a very fine point about uh, Queens being a gross city and not his hometown. <laughs> That's true. He's probably going to have a lot to say. He might get stabbed in New York. Yeah. Yeah, they're doing dynamite in Long on Long Island uh on December 8th, but he might not he might not make it for that. He he the last couple of weeks has garnered a lot of crowd heat in a way that's impressive, but also if this were the olden days, I think he'd be stabbed before he left the building. Oh yeah, for sure. Good lord. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so after after that, after that live segment, we go to what uh, a taped interview Jim Ross had with Brian Pillman Jr. It's one of his this brief sit-downs. This was so weird. Why did this play in this order? I don't know. I don't know. It's like, let's roll back in time from before, yeah. before this shit went down. Um, JR says he remembers getting a call from Brian Pillman's dad, or Jr.'s dad, when Brian Pillman was born, and uh, he said, or JR says he's so embarrassed for um, Junior and his dad last week in Cincinnati with what went down with MJF, and uh, presumably he's embarrassed with what happened minutes ago also, but, you know, weird order. Weird order, yeah. He does say MJF needs to have his ass kicked, so um, Brian Pillman Jr.'s like, yes, I I agree, I probably, probably did let my dad down last week. Uh, and then he turns and addresses MJF directly in the camera and says, I was raised feral in the, you know, in the mean streets of the natty. You know what this made me think of, though? And, and also, like, when he came out, I know that it would be insanely expensive to license Welcome to the Jungle. Oh, but, but like once... he would be he would be such a fucking superstar if Welcome to the Jungle was his theme music. Yeah, I mean... What's Axl Rose doing right now? Like, 
just I don't know. Like <laughs> how how much would that song cost? I I know uh, I think a lot. I think a I lot. Think that one would cost a lot. I mean, the Bengals shell out for it. Yeah, the Bengals have a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. I was shocked that like when we watched Hard Knocks and like the Browns facility, like everyone gets equal money in the NFL. Like that's crazy. Yeah, they all get like they all share profits from the gigantic TV deals. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Like so you, the Browns should not the Browns and the Bengals should not have as much money as the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> well that's very, very, that's very capitalist of you, Jenny. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think maybe the Patriots should have less money. <laughs> it should be like, you know, sliding scale and if you're dominating, maybe calm down a little. Uh but that's neither here nor there. I feel like Tony Khan has one of you. Yeah. Well, I, this, I feel like Tony Khan sh- could shell out, like, maybe a once or twice, you know? The big matches. He doesn't have to like, do it when the like, Varsity Blondes wrestle. Like, if they do, like, a, if they ever do, like, a pay-per-view in Cincinnati. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, it the, the problem, the issue I, I've had recently with, like, him licensing so much music is that now I just think of, like, what would be the best real song for everybody, <laughs> and then I'm just, like, sad that it doesn't happen. <laughs> I feel like he should give them some sort of cap and say, if you can find a song that's under this amount and it makes sense to your character, I'll license it. Give it a year. See how it goes. He should do it like by like tier of talent too. like, like main eventers get more spent on them. So you know know where you stand. (laughs) It's motivational tool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully he gets a bug. In his bonnet, a bee in his bonnet, and he does it at least once for Pillman. Yeah. I feel like he deserves it. Because I, th- I feel like his theme music is supposed to kind of be evocative of that. Yeah. But like any sound alike, it's just, it's just not the same. No, no. Oh, well. All right. Well, speaking of somebody who does have music that's licensed, yeah. <laughs> we go back to talk to... Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Christian Cage. Alex Marvez is here, the best interviewer in the world. And uh, he says... He gets, uh, he gets so much out of his, his subjects. It's true. It's like he has the magic ability. Um, Jungle Boy does not understand what all the fuss is about this Adam Cole character and the elite. He has better friends and better hair. I believe those were his words. I wrote it down, so he, it must be true. Um, Christian steps in and says, you know... Jungle Boy, Adam Cole does have better friends. I mean, they were so good that they reached out and pulled him up from developmental to be on this here program. Yeah. Which I thought was a sweet dig. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, and then Christian um, accepts the challenge that Adam threw out earlier in the night for the group. I don't I don't know if Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus were consulted, but Christian says, yeah, Adam, we'll face you at the rampage that is two weeks from now. Yeah, so that match is set at that point. Did you miss the? Did you miss the other sweet, sweet burn? Possibly. What was it? Christian said, "We know that you're used to losing Wednesday Night Wars, so <laughs> why don't we? So, so we'll like, why don't you like? Uh, you can add uh, Fridays to that list as well." Oh yeah, Christian, getting good digs. Look it. So this, this is the first time since they've been associated. I think that Christian has allowed jungle boy to speak and he still cut him off. I it's coming. 
Christian turning on Jungle Boy is coming. Yeah, it's going to be sad because I, I like their little friendship. I think it's cute. I do, too. But I also like the idea of them doing a program and Christian putting him over. That's true. That's true. I do think that's a program Jungle Boy could come out on top yeah. with. So it'll be nice. But like, man, Christian's like his his classic wrestler mentor. It's going to be so painful to see him turn. Yeah. He's a good heel, though. Yeah, he's such a dick. I love it. All right. So that match is then, booked. Then he and Matt Hardy can be like a tag team of like mm. the of, of the less famous halves of famous tag teams. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's True. not what I want for Christian. <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of leads us into the next match. Um not the less famous halves, but we've got a match where FTR is facing the uh, one, maybe the more well-known brother in two different tag teams of brothers. Yeah, I yeah, think that's like, fair. We got Matt Seidel and Dante Martin. Darius has been injured for what feels like a year now. And I don't remember if Mike uh, Seidel was hurt or if he just wasn't here. But we've got the two dominating brothers on each side. So... um. FTR is looking looking angry and aggressive. Um, they're pissed as usual just because, you know, they're FTR. Cash Wheeler does appear to be pretty on point after his arm injury. Like, he doesn't seem like he's having any issues with that, so I was happy to see that. Um, Matt and Dante have great teamwork. I'm pretty sure they're just, like, in the same flipping club, so love that. Uh, but ultimately, FTR gets the win, and it's Cash Wheeler who gets to pin Dante Martin after he and uh, well, Cash and Dax do the big rig, which is kind of sad because Dante Martin is clearly on the upswing, and I think he gets showcased in this match similar to how he has been recently. Um, so it's kind of unfortunate he has to eat the pin, but good match. <laughs> yeah, I... Um, I... I'm I don't understand it. Like, why is he the pin eater? He's like you said, he's obviously got more upside than Sidal. They're not pushing Sidal. So no. I don't I don't know why they're protecting him over Dante. I don't either, because I mean, don't get me wrong, I like Matt Sidel. Oh but yeah, he's great. He's clearly like the one who is here to put people over because, you know, he's not a spring chicken anymore. Like he can still win. I just think in this match, I don't know why why he didn't take the fall for Dante. Dante's special. Uh Oh, Jenny's got a new boy in her stable. (laughs) (laughs) Nick Jackson could mentor him and take him along the path of high flying. Yeah. I think, I think he's gonna, I think he's going to be in my Nick and Phoenix Phoenix and used to be Jack Evans, but think jack evans had a rough covid like we all did but hey you know he kind of hides his thighs the way cm punk does he's just behind big flowing shorts it was just sad to he wasn't able to do the stuff that he used to be able to do the last time he was on dynamite made me really sad because he was one of my favorites when uh first started watching dynamite yeah you know what? I hope it's because he's taking uh, good care of his mental health and maybe 
just consuming too many empanadas in Mexico because hot damn empanadas are delicious. We had an empanada place by right by us for like three years and we never went. I tried to go there once and the um, fryers were down, so you can't make empanadas without fryers. Yeah, that's that's the whole empanada trip. Like, yeah, (laughs) so I walked right out. God. Oh, that's sad. But yeah, uh, you know, shout out to to Jack. I think he'll get back on his feet. The pandemic has been hard for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, just look at the I, he, unrelated. Well, we all <laughs> love Ted Lasso, and any listener should go and watch the Ted, Ted Lasso because it's mm-hmm. a wonderful, wonderful show. Pop your Apple TV Plus trial. You know you haven't done it yet. <laughs> but. It is so shocking to see how several of the cast members aged so much in one year. (laughs) And I know I have as well, but like, I don't see it because, you know, I see myself. You see yourself, yeah. But it's like, I know I've aged, and it's all because of COVID. I, you know, we all, I think, I think I aged like 10 years on my face because of COVID. Like, I can see it on these actors' faces. Well, thank God for Dante Martin. He's like, what, 21? He is 20, yes. 20? Good Lord. So that kid's going to be a star and get through this COVID looking like a a mere 28 at the end of this year. <laughs> He'll be fine. Uh, yeah, Um, I just also wanted to call out, I said CM Punk and Excalibur are an announced team, dream team. Um, CM Punk compared Rick Knox to the evil judge in Who Framed Roger Rabbit because he's bald, and I guess that's like the comparison. And Excalibur was like, Yep. And Excalibur goes, Well, he's not melting any shoes. And I was just like, Tony and JR, silent. I don't know if they know what that movie is, but I love that that CM Punk and Excalibur. Tony has to know what Who Framed Roger Rabbit is. You think? I I could see JR not. But Tony's Tony's got it now. You'd think Tony had. I'm assuming Tony's kids were at the age where they. I remember watching that as a kid and being terrified of the melting shoes. I watched that movie last year um, because I was watching a bunch of Robert Zemeckis movies, and that movie is even better than I remembered it being. I'm assuming that as an adult, you probably got more jokes. Yes. In fact, okay. Megan, I got all the sex jokes. <laughs> <laughs> As a kid, you're like, I don't know what that means. It's like, what do you mean playing patty cake with him? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? He's, well, the, the implication was that Jessica Rabbit was having an affair. Oh. Yeah. You know I what? No, that movie. I don't think you'd like it. <laughs> Okay, well, I think it's my pick on Saturday, oh, so... No. <laughs> I think the melting shoes are going to break her brain. Can't wait right. to see it! <laughs> okay, well, Megan, next up. Okay, moving on from that. Um, after this, we get a promo from Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki, because... Talking about the Suzuki incident. Hey, this is yeah. how they should finally be using Lance Archer. I was that really excited... That he was going to get, like, an actual, like, real storyline where he could do something. Yeah. Hey, me too, because he's, uh, he's what, Team Suzuki 
Goon. Is that what they Suzuki call Goon. Yep. Suzuki Goon. Um, yeah. Well, apparently, so the Suzuki incident sounds like some sort of uh, world geographical issue, but it's not. Suzuki's just pissed his music got cut off in Cincinnati. <laughs> he should be. Well, it was a mark of disrespect. He very much is. Uh, and Lance Lance is here to be his mouthpiece because Suzuki is just standing there mean mugging the camera. And Lance is like, I've been with Suzuki for a long time. And uh, me and him, we're going to teach Moxley and Eddie Kingston a lesson next week. So that's exciting because that is going to be a cool match, I think. I thought so too, but then at the end of the show when they were running everything down, they didn't include that match graphic, and so I'm worried that they moved it during during the show. But it's uh, possible they just have so much to promote that they forgot to <laughs> to show that graphic. Yeah. Wait, no, it's supposed to be at the Arthur Asher Stadium one. Yeah, next week. No, that's not next week. That's the week after. The Grand Slam is the week after. That's the Rampage. So we've got the Rampage tomorrow because we're talking on Thursday, so Rampage tomorrow, and then the Dynamite next Wednesday is the first part of the whole it's Grand the slam. Dynamite before the two-hour Rampage. See? I don't They've, understand. Now is the Dynamite called the Grand Slam Dynamite? It's Yeah, it's, it's Dynamite Grand Slam and then Rampage Grand Slam. Okay. So Grand Slam. It's Grand Slam because that is... That is what uh, the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament is classified as. It's a Grand Slam tournament, and that takes place at Arthur Ashe Stadium every year. It just okay. took place last weekend. That's correct. Okay. A 19-year-old uh, won the uh, women's. Hmm. She was ranked like 300-something in the world heading wow. in. Yeah. Damn. Wow, that's worse than Paul Bettany was ranked. Yeah. 111th. Yeah. Wimbledon, a biography. Uh, that is legitimately it's a great film one of my favorite movies like top five favorite movies is Wimbledon it's a great film it's a well-behaved movie what are your top five favorite movies Jenny oh goodness yeah what's creeping up your top five five. (laughs) it's Wimbledon yes chef John Favreau's chef yes (laughs) BBC Pride and Prejudice okay that's that's a long one Colin Firth That's three. That's all she needs. <laughs> Crazy Rich Asians. That's that's how I, I don't know. I don't know about the longevity. Jenny, of that you saw that movie like five <laughs> times in theaters. <laughs> I loved it. And then maybe 30 times after you bought it digitally. <laughs> you have to count that as one of your favorite movies. Okay. Um, one more. I can't think of another movie right now. You were really into the Downton Abbey movie. Mm, yeah, but not not really. I I probably I probably throw like a Love Actually. Oh, okay, yeah. In there. That figures. Yeah. Yeah. What about the holiday? I do love the holiday. <laughs> I would say also, that the we'll holiday be... and Mr. Love Napkinhead. Love Actually probably switch out depending on the day you ask her. They they probably occupy the same slot, but switch. Mm-hmm. It's like a rotating chair. They somehow share no cast members. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> it truly is surprising. Yeah. <laughs> well, Love Actually slash The Holiday is a great way to go into the next segment. I think they relate so, so well. Um, Malachi Black is here. Probably a huge Love Actually fan, you know? I'm sure. 
watches it every Christmas. Um, Malachi Black, looking scary as hell, cool as hell. He walks out. Well, he does his ceremony to get to the ring. And then he has his robe on and he says, members of the House of Black, please rise. And so, I mean, I guess he's forming a cult, which is fine. Um, He says, there's an enemy in our midst. And he looks to the crowd where Rosario Dawson is standing there. And she yes, goes, queen. and she, she does the motion like, me? I'm the other? That's silly. And then, you know, because she's on Cody's show. That's why she's here. Malachi Black goes up to her and he like gets in her face. And then Cody, in the brightest red suit I've ever seen, runs down through the crowd. And Malachi looks like he's going to attack rosario but she fully can take care of herself she jumps on his back he spins around it's like the most polite um celebrity guest encounter you can tell he's really trying to take care of her and not toss her down she she tumbles from his arms of her own accord and malachi looks all thrown off and then he and cody brawl into the crowd um and that's you know that's how the segment ends i I believe drinks are thrown on each other they go all the way up to the top and then we cut to commercial but um like Cody's here to defend his co-judge Rosario Dawson, who seems like a cool ass chick based on all the movies I've seen her in and what she just did there. Punk also offers to go defend her, but again, no need Rosario Dawson can fucking handle herself. He said that if he did not, if he did not defend Rosario Dawson, there would be a problem in his house. So April must be a big fan. That's true. I mean, Rosario Dawson is cool. Yeah, I know. I know she's uh she's played a a large part in your celebrity crush life. Yeah, like big time. Uh, a couple of things here. Number one, I don't know for sure, but I think Cody might have been trying to evoke uh, Lupin the Third, the uh, the the thief anime character with his uh, insanely red suit. Now, are we supposed to fucking know that? Is this like a Superman plotline reference where we're just all supposed to be huge comic nerds slash anime nerds? I don't know. But what I do know is that I now like look for these little signs every time he shows up wearing something wild. That's fair because I, I know Cody has a good suit game. Like, the man likes to wear a three-piece suit. He looks good in a three-piece suit. He clearly is good at dressing himself. I've never seen him in something that red and bright before. So if he wasn't trying to evoke a character, then he really he really took a shot on this suit. That's what I'll say about that. But um, I don't know anything about this Lupin character. Is it relevant to what they're kind of doing with this, this good versus evil? No, he's just, he's like, you know, he's a, uh, he's a moral thief. Um, he the, just wants to be like Tully. He wants to be like Tully. Tully was wearing a red suit. <laughs> the other thing I will say about this segment is that uh, there could have been, there are a number of reasons that Rosario Dawson could have legitimately been in New Jersey. Number one, Filming Clerks 3, which, of course, is filmed in New Jersey. Uh, and also, she is the the girlfriend of uh, New Jersey senator and failed Democratic presidential candidate Cory Booker. So, you know, many reasons for her to be in New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. 
Probably both of those at the same time. Could be, yeah. Good for her, though. That was cool. That was a fun segment. Good uh, celebrity guesting from AEW. After that happens, we uh, we come back from commercial. We got a promo. We got the bunny here. She says, you know, Anna Jay is clearly obsessed with me, and I wouldn't have attacked her, and, except she attacked me first. So Anna. I guess Anna... I guess Anna attacked her on Dark. I didn't watch, so I don't know. But she did reference, like, something happened on Dark. Yeah, we talked about it last week. Anna did attack her on Dark, but, like, she framed it strangely because Anna attacked her because Anna was saving uh, Ty Conti from her and Penelope Ford beating the shit out of her. Well, you know, you just got to leave her to her own business, Andy. You mm-hmm. can't be helping your friend if she's in the middle of something. So that's the the bunny's reasoning. And then we hear from <laughs> Snap interviewer Alex Marvez is back. He's here with the Dark Order and, and mostly Anna Jay and Tay Conti, but the Dark Order are around. Uh, and he says, Anna Jay, you're making your Rampage debut, debut on Friday against the bunny because of the issue we just discussed. And then Alex Reynolds rolls up. He says he's here to basically confront Uno. Apparently he had left the group. That's what Uno says, but Alex clarifies and says, no, I didn't leave the group. I left you, Uno. You're on a power trip. And they all start arguing, all the boys, and then Anna steps up and says, hey, if you can't stop fighting, I don't want you here with me on Friday. She wraps her arm around Tay. She says, I've got Tay to have my back, and I don't need you boys. And they walk away, rolling their eyes at the stupidity of these guys who just can't get their shit together. And John Silver goes, Anna, even me? And she's like, yes. He's so hurt. So the Dark Order boys need to get their shit together. Anna Jay is laying down the law. And I think it's good. Somebody needs to because they are a family, damn it. They need to be together. And uh, I don't know if Uno's on a power trip. I feel like he's just, you know, he was trying to help with Adam and it didn't go well. Now more than ever, I think something big is happening in uh, Rochester a week from a week from uh, next uh, Wednesday. What do you think it is? I think uh, I think there's just going to be you know there's going to be some a lot of Mr. Brody Lee feelings in the air uh, in oh. his hometown, and uh, and I think I think there's just going to be I think there's going to be a big Dark Order angle on that show. It's too early for Adam to return, right? I don't know. Or is it? I he's... this could be. He's been gone for. He'll have been gone for like over two months at that point, almost two or almost two months. Okay. Yeah. I want to say he's very private and I've heard nothing about the status of his baby, but mm-hmm. also I'm not on Twitter. So maybe that's just what it is. No, there's, there's been not a peep. He hasn't posted anything on Insta. Okay. Well, that could be interesting. I still think Adam is going to need to be the one who comes in and, maybe helps Anna get them together or maybe Anna ditches them and he has to bring that side of it together before she comes back. But I feel like Adam has to play a part in their, their big story. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, From there we go to a man, an angry old man who is screaming at the clouds. Stan Lambert guys, he's here. He's got men of the year, but he's also got junior DeSantos, Andre Orlovsky, Kayla Harrison, Paige Van Zant, and one other person whose name I didn't hear, but it's like a lot of MMA fighters out in the ring. I, 
Paige Van Zandt was there? Uh-huh. Was Sage? Sage, Sage was not Sage? there. Sage was not there. I did not know um, who that other guy was. So I assume he's a fighter. Mm-hmm. And I assume he must be really into pro wrestling because I don't know why you would bring him otherwise <laughs> because he's not famous. Yeah, and they said his name, but it was, like, obscured by crowd noise. Like, I tried to listen three times, and I'm like, I don't know who this person is. I'm just yeah. going to move on. But the point is, he has he has a lot of fighters with him. Um, he's here to continue dropping truth bombs, which I, I, I don't really know that they're truth bombs so much as him just being angry about the state of wrestling where uh, some five foot nine, 150-pound man can win. He's pissed mm-hmm. about that. Um, Chris Jericho interrupts and (laughs) the crowd sings so loudly because Dan Lambert is pissed about this song. He he's protesting it the whole time. He says, I hate this song and the crowd's probably looking up the lyrics on their cell phones. But regardless, this is one of the loudest choruses of, of people singing Jericho's song as he enters and Jericho's like, very satisfied with it. You can see him smiling about how much people love his song. Jericho has Jake Hager with him, but I would argue still very stupidly antagonizes the MMA fighters by uh, asking who's on top in reference to American Top Team, which seems to piss piss off the men because, you know, no homo, bro. Um, and he also offers up Big Jake to come down and knock their teeth out, which... You know, I don't doubt that Big Jake could hold his own, but I think Big Jake against all of those fighters at once probably isn't going to survive. You know Jericho's not there to help him. Luckily, it doesn't come to that because... Well, well, Jericho, you know, he does point out that he has he has a good record of not dying when fighting MMA-trained uh, people. He, as he made <laughs> allusions to fights against Brock Lesnar and uh, Bill Goldberg. Well, it's true. I feel like... When your accomplishment is that you don't die, maybe it's not that big of an accomplishment. <laughs> like, if that's I your mean, bar, it's that, so that low. Makes, that makes him at least as good a MMA fighter as CM Punk. Oh. No, CM Punk tied. One. Well, that's true. <laughs> or one. I don't really know how it shook <laughs> out because of that a, drug thing. A, called a no contest. Okay. FYI, <laughs> the man we didn't know, his name is Austin the Gentleman Vanderford. He is a Bellator fighter with an 11-0 professional record. Oh, that seems pretty solid. Yeah, including 5-0 in Bellator. So he's uh, he's 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 a prospect on the rise, I guess. Okay. Although he's 31 years old, so his his peak may have already come. Ugh, it's horrifying to think about. Well, he's 31. a pro athlete. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Well. All this is to say that uh, Jericho puts out these lofty, lofty suggestions of like, we'll kick their teeth out, these professional fighters you have with you. Dan, Dan Lambert is like, well, how about we just have a match, uh, you guys against Men of the Year next week in New York? So I think that's where they settled on it, which is probably good for Jericho because he may not survive six UFC MMA fighters just saying yeah this whole thing was such a huge success uh it finally gave some direction to the dan lambert man of the year stuff and also it 
looped them in with Jericho, which is a huge win for them. I didn't think that they were going to get that big a platform. Um, yeah. Especially after the, you know, they, they, they wrestled Sting and Darby, but they, they were really just kind of there as the opponents. Um, this is, this feud seems more about featuring them. And I was, I was very impressed with how over Jericho and Hager were out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it'll be fun. And I don't, it's such a breath of fresh air to get Jericho away from MJF. So yes. I, I'm, I'm down with whatever they're trying here. I think it'll be cool. And, you know, kudos to Scorpio and Ethan Page. I hope this launches them forward, which I'm sure it will. So we'll see that at the Grand Slam. Next up, we've got a ladies match. We've got Jade Cargill against legit Layla Hirsch. Um, Layla Hirsch comes up to Jade's chest. And <laughs> we know that because she tries, she she approaches her when this, like, the bell rings as if she's going to go face to face. You know, like when, when the people get up in each other's face, like two, like bucks trying to, to fight. Only Layla meets her forehead to Jade's chest um so jade is very tall compared to layla and she she throws her around quite a bit um and unfortunately for layla jade cargo gets the win she does the jaded but i thought it was a cool match i really like layla hirsch i think jade is improving with every match she has we got to see some smart mark out there just running around the outside of the ring giving i guess coaching in a sport that he doesn't know how to coach. Um, but yeah, there was a cool moment where Layla almost got a sleeper hold on Jade. And I don't know. I just thought it was, it was neat the way she, um, that little girl latched on to that big tall woman, <laughs> got around the neck, but mm-hmm. Jade threw her down. So I don't know they both look great. Jade is, um, God, Jade is an athlete. She looks amazing. I can't get over how strong she is. She counted her abs along with Aubrey when Aubrey was doing the count out for Layla on the outside. Like she just randomly decided, yeah, that's how many abs I have. Got up to six. Come on. She has more than six. Oh, she does. But, you know, Layla got back in the ring. Oh, okay. So fun match. Um, Enjoyed. Yeah, I, 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 I thought it was pretty good, too. Yeah. Um, I thought at first that Layla was going to win. Well, I didn't think, I thought there was a chance. I thought like, yeah, they're in Jersey, you know, maybe she'll, maybe she'll get the win here. Doesn't seem like, doesn't seem like they're going as hard with Jade as they had been before. Plus like the champion is a heel now, so they don't have to be in a hurry to get Jade there challenging for the title. But then Layla took like, 75% 75% of the match and it was clear like okay yeah she's gonna lose here because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're, they're they're giving her a lot so she doesn't look like she got smashed yeah I, I think like until Jade loses that undefeated run she has going I I just don't I think she has to lose it in a big way and I I feel like they're not going to give it to um, a random match on Dynamite so I agree with that if she has the undefeated like clout you you know you don't want to lose that too she i'm sure they're building that for something big yeah yeah 
And, you know, when she does lose it, she can just use the Bianca Belair mindset of, I'm still undefeated. Numbers don't count. Like, <laughs> in right. NXT, Bianca Belair was like, I'm undefeated in my in my mind. So, I mean, that's what Jericho said. He was the champion in his mind. Yeah, it's a state of mind. You can deem yourself anything as long as it's a state of mind. So, we'll see. Um, after that match, we get a promo from Andrade El Idolo. Uh, and he's got his assistant, Jose, with him. He says he's the kingpin and he never gave Chavo the order to interrupt his match. He can beat Pac and anyone else, whatever he wants. And that's why Chavo has to go. Jose seems like he's solid in his position right now, but you never know. I wouldn't want want to work for Andrade because it seems like he could just turn on you whenever he gets the, the notion. So... We'll see. See how that goes. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have we have quite a segment for a certain young Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> we go we to really the- get to see like how the sausage is made when you get to see the back of his head of like <laughs> how you get your hair to stand up that tall. Yes, yes. Uh, we we see the announce table. We get a shot of them. They're all talking, you know, as they do. And then Taz walks out and starts yelling at CM Punk. He starts accusing him of trying to take his job because he's in the fourth seat tonight. Hook is with him. You know, it's his dad. He's the muscle. He's got to be there. Punk gets up and, you know, starts arguing with them. He gets in Hook's face. And this is enough to distract him from the fact that Powerhouse Hobbs is running up behind him. So he gets the attack in and then hook gets his own moment where he punk is like on his knees on the stage. And so hook puts him in a dragon sleeper hold until Hobbs attacks again. And, uh, and then hook runs over the announce table and starts yelling in his little boy voice, get out of here, get out. And so the announce team has to clear out and they're like, Hey, come on hook. Come on, man. Like they argue with him, but he makes them leave and he tosses all the monitors aside. And then, uh, and then Hobbs tries to put Punk through the table. The table is made of solid steel, does not buckle. Punk falls off it like a true professional, rolls out into the chairs. And, uh, you know, he's not left in a good spot. We we lose him for the rest of the show as far as announce is concerned because he's out injured. And this sets up uh, this whole, like, fight that these two are going to have. I believe Punk is going to face Hobbs on a, one of the rampages coming up. Next week's. Rampage Grand Slam. Okay. Wait. Because this week's Rampage is tomorrow. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. This week's Rampage is just chop liver. Nothing's going on here. Yeah. Have we gotten anything promoted for it? I think one thing, one of the things I said really, really early on, Andy clarified, was on this week's Ram- Rampage. Rampage this week is tag team titles on the line. Lucha Brothers defend against the Butcher and the Blade. TNT title on the line versus uh, Fuego's Pink Slip. Uh, Fuego Del Sol versus Miro. And the Bunny versus Anna J. Okay. I mean, no shade to those people. I just feel like, you know, they're really hyping up the Grand Slam. Um, we get a super brief video from Sean Spears. He says he, uh, you know, Darby called him a generic piece of shit. 
And he says, well, I'm the first person to defeat you in AEW Derby, which is kind of weird trivia. I completely forgot that was the case, probably because of the arc of each of their careers. Um, but, you know, he says that's the thing, and I'm, I'm assuming he's spitting true stats here. Do you do you uh, remember what the match was? God. Oh, was it the um, – oh, God, was it the one with all the – the tax on the skateboard one. No, no, that was Starks. It was a pay per view, though, right? Like one of the early ones. It was. It was one of the like not really a pay per view. It was like one of those BR Live specials. Oh. It was Fight for the Fallen. Get these teams. It was MJF and Sammy Guevara and Sean Spears on one team, and on the other was Darby Allen. Joey Janela and Jimmy Havoc. Well, then that's not him beating him. Wow. Well, he pinned him. Well, but that's not. It's it's a tag team. It doesn't count. Okay, but he pinned him. But it doesn't count. Okay. Well, he can claim it. I mean, it did happen. He did officially pin Darby. He's he said he was the first person to pin Darby on AEW, in AEW. So I, I mean, I guess technically he speaks the truth. But that was back when we had Jimmy Havoc in the company and Joey Janela was a regular. On Dynamite and, uh, well, not on Dynamite because it wasn't a thing, but Joey Janela showed up a lot and man, what the F? So, so with that stat, we roll into the match where Sean Spears is facing Darby. And I gotta say, I think, you know, I don't hate Sean Spears, but I have a certain level of expectation about him. And he, um, he fully exceeded my expectations with this match. He did some great heel work. He, was a really good like base for Darby and I thought he was here to play. Like he he did great. I was very impressed and I had a lot of fun with this match. Darby Allen wins because obviously um he does the coffin drop, but I think on the way to getting there, Sean Spears brought it. Sean Spears was great in this match. He uh he flipped off Sting before running his own knee uh into the steel steps, which was hilarious. <laughs> uh, he he sat. He got dazed and sat on the steel the same steel steps later, like a goofball, and then got topeed off of them, uh, which was also excellent. And uh, yeah, he played his part perfectly. He also at one point uh, got water and uh, poured it on a rag, and then like like mean mugged Sting, who just kind of stood there because what else is Sting going to do with that? face and then he got back in the ring and wiped off the paints from darby's face what an insult oh it's like cutting samson's hair yeah but this was this was also foreshadowing it's true yes uh he also um after wiping darby's face paint off not right after but somewhere after that happened he put darby in the scorpion death lock right in front of sting's face gave him that solid eye contact while he did that which you know that's a burn um, Tully was also out here and Tully moved in front of Spears early on in the match to prevent Darby from doing one of his crazy dives, which I think established the fact that Darby's not willing to harm an old man yet, but I bet he can be pushed because after the match, FTR show up and they start attacking Darby and Sting. Tully hits Sting in the back with a chair, which pisses Sting off. I don't think he was expecting it from from Tully. And then FTR gets 
Sting up to do their spiked pile driver on him. And after doing that, they hold him up so that Tully, very similar to Sean Spears, can take that towel with water on it and wipe off Sting's face paint. And while he's doing this, asshole chants rain down because what are you doing, sir? That's really mean. I don't think we've seen Sting without face paint in AEW. No, I don't think I've seen Sting without face paint since he was like 30 or mid 30s. I don't know, like a long time ago. (laughs) It's weird. It's really neat. Yeah, well, we didn't really see it. I mean, he still had quite a bit of face paint on. I don't know. They're, they're, they they got a lot of that off. Anyway, this is a hot angle, and these two teams are going to uh, get it on next week at Grand Slam Dynamite. Now, Tully and Sting are wrestling. How does everybody feel about that? Uh, Tully is not wrestling. Oh, is he not? No, it's FTR, versus, it's oh, FTR with right. Tully versus Sting and Darby. I don't know why my mind is like, well, he challenged Sting, so obviously he has to fight Sting. I bet he like will take a bump for Sting. I that okay, that could be fine. I, I was really scared when they got Sting upside down. For the pile driver. <laughs> the pile driver. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he was okay. He he looked like he he did well, but it, it was just scary. I think FTR. Uh, other you know obviously they're not monster people that would purposely hurt someone but also like they're basically like playing with living legend sting they're gonna be very careful i think living legend sting who retired because seth rollins broke his neck (laughs) yeah i feel like they probably understand the the weight of that and they seem like guys who will who will for sure take care I'm not saying accidents don't happen, but they don't seem sloppy or careless. So, no, no. so that's going to come up on the Grand Slam program. Um, next up, we've got the basically the Brian Danielson part of the promo from uh, Rampage, where he's talking about facing uh, Kenny Omega and he, how he's here to wrestle pretty much anyone. So. Same same idea, just reminding people if they happen to not watch Rampage. Um, then we get Tony Schiavone actually talking to Brian Danielson live in front of the crowd. Um, they tried re- to. Well, he yeah, I mean, poor Tony. <laughs> he Interviewers gets out just don't get to ask questions in this company. Not when Don Callis is within 100 yards of them. Um I mean, Tony's there. Brian goes out there. Brian is very nice to Tony. And Tony says, hey, Brian, you know, fans would really love to see you get in the ring with Kenny. And like right on cue, Don Callis is like, no, 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 no. Fans don't want that. We don't want that. No. Um, he uh, he mocks Brian Danielson when he gets out there and he says, it must have been so tough to make the decision to come to this company. You know, the one that's built on the back of Kenny Omega. <laughs> which is like, okay, calm down. Um, Don asks Brian, who do you think you are? Dictating who gets title shots because he's basically asking Kenny for a match. And Brian says, you know, someday this is going to be about the title, but for right now, let's just, let's just fight to see who's better. Like that's all he wants. And Brian looks to Kenny and challenges them to a match. Don immediately says no, but Brian looks at him and um, in a very unbrian thing, he said he curses as he says, "Shut up, you piece of shit." And Don is yeah. 
aghast. I was like, holy fuck, Brian Danielson is getting wild up I in AEW. I have heard him curse. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was in a TV PG company for... Well, I never heard him curse on Total Bellas or Total Divas. Well, you know, you can't you can't be saying too much wild shit on those those shows. But uh, he was he he swore on the Indies quite a bit. He was always talking about kicking people's fucking heads in. That's Whoa. surprising. Like the F word. Yeah, like there was a chant in Ring of Honor. I'm gonna kick your fucking head in. Related to him. Yeah, it was about him kicking the fucking heads in. Wow. <laughs> I feel like he probably doesn't curse in front of Birdie and and new baby buddy. Seems like he would be restrained in that sense, but he'll curse in front of Mateo. Yeah, teach that kid some real strong language because you know Nikki's gonna teach their kids that they need Dolce Gabbana. He hates that. This <laughs> <laughs> is retaliation. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, potty mouth Brian. Says he came here to fight the belt collector, the god of pro wrestling. But all he's seen out, or all he's seen so far, is this guy who hangs out with a bunch of stooges, i.e., the elite. Brian says he's heard that Kenny has lost his confidence, but what he actually thinks is that Kenny lost his balls. And then I put hashtag balls watch 2021. <laughs> uh, this really pisses Kenny off. And he immediately accepts Brian's challenge, despite Don being like, no, in the background. So Kenny cannot be contained, but it sounds like. Ultimately, they're going to have a match that is not for the title. It is just for pride and skill, um, which I think is is a nice compromise because it gets around the whole uh, rankings thing while also allowing Kenny to have a match, you know. And the crowd clearly wants to see this match, so why deny them the satisfaction of that? I don't know that we got... Is, is that happening on Grand Slam? Yes, is that, okay. I presume that's the main event of Dynamite Grand Slam. Okay. I stopped trying to follow the match cards. I. What do you think of giving this match away for free? I think it's not for a belt, so... And, you know, the ratings wars continue, I guess. Um... I think this is a guaranteed way to get the ratings above raw on that week. Yeah. I mean, I think they're going to, I think they're definitely going to win next week. They've loaded that show up so much. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I want to see them get total numbers above raw. They will not get possible. No, maybe in a couple years. Hmm. Yeah. The, raw has such an advantage in 50 plus viewers and women that, uh, that it's, it's going to take some time. Well, that's why they should be focusing on their women's division. No, that's why they should just be showcasing more hot hunks. I mean, Angelico popped that shirt off, and I gotta say, could be on TV more. <laughs> Where are you at, bro? Uh, but yeah, the Hook's women's division could be look as defined tonight. I was really disappointed. Were you? <laughs> No, because I'm not obsessed with Hook in the same way you are. I think he's really funny. I think he's Tom Holland. If Tom Holland got all buff and his Tom hair Holland was out of control. Buff. He is, but he's buff in like a functional way. Hook is buff in like, I work out with wrestlers sort of way. Tom Holland can do backflips and shit. I have not. I have yet to see Hook flip. I bet Hook can flip. You know, call me when he does. I'm not saying I don't love Hook. I just don't love him in the same way you do. They don't focus on his arms immediately. 
<laughs> All right. Well, do you think that that match should not be given away for free? Is that what you're getting at, though? No, no. I, I think I think it's a great idea. I think that the the dynamics of promotion have changed because most of the money is now in TV rights fees. So they want to get those ratings as high as possible. So when their negotiations come up, they can say, look, we like, we, we, we cost like one fifth as much as raw and we do essentially <laughs> the same ratings. That that's fair. Like that's, that's going to be very attractive to a lot of networks who are going to be like, okay, what if we, what if we pay you, three times what you're being paid now and you're still going to be cheaper for us than going after raw. Yeah. Now you say that, but aren't they set to move to, what are they moving to? TBS. TBS. When, and when are they moving to TBS? January. And do, and maybe, do you know if they have like a multi, your deal I think, or I think it's still the deal like um as far as like time wise I think it's still the deal that they renegotiated at the beginning mm-hmm. of 2020 Tony Khan said they got some money for Well they got money but I don't think it's I think they're still in the same timeline Oh okay I think the duration is still the same which I believe was a what was it through 20 it was into 2023 Does that sound right Yeah I think that sounds right I okay. thought I thought it was like a 3 year deal Yeah Okay, because I was just wondering if this is like, if if that's going to be a thing like anytime soon, or if they're they're pretty much set for now. Okay, yeah, this says, yeah, All Elite Wrestling extends Warner Media deal through twenty twenty three. Okay, yep. So okay, so they're they're locked in for the next couple years, but you know, you want to you want to build it up. You want to be in that ballpark. For when for when the those and, and those things usually get negotiated about you know six months to a year before they're they're up anyway. Especially if Warner Media is just gonna be like, well, we're just we just want to keep you, so we'll we'll just pay you a lot more than we are now. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean that's a whole game now. Like like I mean that's the reason AEW exists, is because Tony Khan saw WWE sign, you know like a two billion dollar you know broadcasting deal yeah <laughs> there is money in wrestling somewhere yeah don't go to saudi Downey. don't WWE do is going going next month wow they gotta get that blood money so is f1 yeah. later in the year that's right yeah Formula one also going gotta get that blood money yeah all right well on a lighter note Miro is here to be confused about why Fuego is bothering to call him out at all because he already beat that little man. And uh, he's not impressed by the car that's on the line. He's going to bash Fuego's brains out, and then he's going to bash his car. So I think, like, legitimately, Miro is going to take his rage out on a car, which I think will be real fun. Be like a Street Fighter 2 bonus stage. Yeah, like how how much can you punch out in a 30-second time period? (laughs) Let's go. So you Good need stuff. like, you need you need a Chun Li or an E Honda for that because you get the like the the rapid fire uh, puncher kick. Yeah, that was always my strategy. I don't I don't know 
if you could do as well with other characters, but I was like, just smash that kick button for Chun Li. Mm-hmm. Get that car destroyed. Good times. Um, Matt Hardy. Remember him? He's still mad. Yeah, sure. He's still mad at Orange Cassidy. He's mad. I guess he broke Orange Cassidy broke his nose. That seems kayfabe, right? Like if Matt Hardy's nose were broken, he'd have some sort of face gear. He does not. Well, remember he like he did bleed a lot in that match. He did, but that doesn't mean your nose is broken. No. He says it is though. Yeah. We'll see. And he uh, he says his nose is broken, so he's pissed about that. But he's also mad because Orange Cassidy has made a mockery of pro wrestling. So um, in response to this, Matt will take his hair, which I feel like is like a mockery of something. <laughs> Seems like a weird stake to uh, demand when you're trying to say your sport is very serious. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, he didn't make it clear if he was giving up his hair if Orange won, but I hope that's the case because Orange doesn't have a lot of hair and Matt Hardy does. And uh, let's just shave him bald. Let's just do it. I like Orange's hair. I I do too, but it's like pretty short. So if you cut it off, I don't think it would be that different. It would probably come back very quickly. Whereas Matt Hardy has, he has shoulder length hair. It's a lot to cut off. Just saying. So that's where we're leaving that one. Uh, next up, we've got the main event. It is 2.0, which is Jeff Parker and Matt Lee versus John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Um, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston are making their very cool entrances when 2.0, along with Danny Garcia, attack them before they get to the ring. This is a mistake. It really just pisses off all involved. Uh, John Moxley starts tossing Jeff Parker around, and then he goes in the ring and bites Matt Lee in the face. That's how how angry he is. Uh, Which is very, like, John Moxley is being John Moxley cool, but I gotta say, the crowd is here for Eddie. They are chanting his name. Um, Moxley is the one who spends time in the ring getting beat up, and Eddie gets the hot tag. Uh, Huge pop when that happens. Um, when when they came out to make their entrance, there was a moment where Mox, like, kind of gets Eddie's attention and then points up to the like the upper rafters where you know there's fans everywhere. And I think it was him saying like, "Look at these people. They're like, you know, they're this is they're here for you." And uh, Mox was on Wrestling Observer Radio a few months ago, and he was talking. This was before. This was like right when they were about to start going back on the road. And he was saying, you know, Eddie's wrestled his whole run in AEW at Daly's place. And he has no idea how over he is. And when he's like, when he starts getting in front of those big crowds, he's going to be amazed at like, you know, cause, cause Eddie Kingston has never wrestled for a, like a, a big time promotion before, you know? Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's. It's so weird to think about because it's like, well, with the pandemic, you know, everyone had to take time off of being in front of crowds. So I guess, though, like Moxley's coming from a Moxley didn't get to be champion in front of crowds, but he experienced like, I mean, obviously he was in WWE and then he experienced some time in AEW in front of crowds. So that's he got to win the title in front of a crowd. Yeah. Yeah. But 
yeah, that's, uh, I mean, good for Kingston. Like, people were chanting for Eddie while Moxley was in the ring, which I was like, interesting. Just like, because they're both big stars now, but it's like, okay. But good for Eddie. I mean, by the, got... by the way, R- Renee did say uh, on Twitter last night, I'd be thrilled if my husband stopped biting people's faces. <laughs> I I would I too. Think I'm with her. Like I was I was expecting uh, Matt Lee to bleed, but I don't I don't think he's that type of wrestler. He definitely didn't. But Moxley, stop biting people's faces. It's mean. He's just gross. Yeah. Well, uh, Moxley and Eddie get the win. And as over as Eddie is, John Moxley is the one who gets to pin Jeff Parker, the Chuck Taylor lookalike. This was this was basically a handicap match the whole way. Yes. Like Dan- Daniel Garcia was just always around, ineffectively trying to interfere. Yes. And I kind of thought it made him. him out. Look, I thought it made him kind of look like a goof, honestly. I yeah, I don't really understand. Um, like, I guess he's friends with 2.0, but he's not technically part of their team. He's their son. He's their son. Is he their anchor son? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to keep them in the U.S.? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I felt like they, they wanted him to, not necessarily in this match, but they, like, brought him in and were talking him up. And, and then they just, like, ran out of things to give him, apparently. Mm-hmm. so now he's just palling around but yeah he was he was there um i don't think he made a great difference in the match like you said kind of like a dork but he was around antagonizing but yeah moxie got the pin eddie and moxie got the win um moxie's music plays i i, I think perhaps he got the pl- pin so that his music would play because uh, it's interrupted by some more ominous sounding music. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, the theme song of Minoru Suzuki. Moxley looks up and uh, he looks like he's he's like, all right, we're going to do this fucking thing. Um, Suzuki comes out. He's got a black eye from it having it split open during their match in Cincinnati, which is what all the blood was in that match. And while Moxley is watching Suzuki and preparing to fight him, Lance Archer pulls Kingston out of the ring and starts brawling with him. Then Suzuki goes for Moxley. Suzuki tries to put Moxley through the timekeeper's table, but he fights three free by hitting him in the face with a microphone. And then they continue to brawl. And my feed cut out mid-brawl. So I don't know if more happened, but I was like, what? No, it, it ended It ended like during the brawl. They just, they just wanted to go off the air with something wild, I think. Okay. Well, those boys are fired up. I think that's going to be a really cool match. So, um, yeah, I just want to read the uh, the translated into English lyrics of Minoru Suzuki's theme song, Kaze Ni Nare, which means the king to the world. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Tell me why people keep looking endlessly sad tomorrow's dream. Only the stars are staring at me on a sad night. I kissed you because I wanted to see myself. When can I catch the dream I've been chasing for a long time? No one knows that. I can't change anything. I can't give up this feeling. Oh, in the storm, like a bird flapping towards a storm. Become the wind in the brilliance. How many miles are their goals? And it goes on like that. (laughs) (laughs) 
you say it goes on like that as if there's a very typical path that we're following with this, but yeah. what? <laughs> what? And now? then at some point, and then at some point, Kaze ni nare. So, uh, is it a love song? Was it written for his entrance, or is he licensing like Japanese music? What is that happening? I don't know if if it's a uh, you know if it's specifically for him. Okay, because the the journey we went on with those lyrics is not the one I would have expected. Sure, yeah. So I thought this week's dynamite was like the best go home show they've ever done. And we're going home. We're going home to Grand Slam. Yeah. No. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's. I mean, that's all this show was was setting up all the big matches for next week. Yeah, but it was so fun. Like mm-hmm. everything was good. I I legitimately liked the entire show front to back. Me too. I thought it was a really good, strong show. Let's lovely hear that. Um, one thing before we go. Two days ago, September fourteenth, it was Satoshi Kojima's birthday. Um, so happy birthday to Satoshi Kojima, belated as it is. But uh, he tweeted out, on September 14th, I had my birthday. I was happy to have many people know about it on September 5th, the other day. Don't know what that means. <laughs> I am a professional wrestler <laughs> who eats only bread, but I would like to meet many wrestling fans again. Thank you. Bread emoji, heart emoji. Is September 5th the, um, the day he wrestled Moxley? Uh, yeah, I guess it was. That that would have been. You're right. Yeah, that would have been uh, all out. Yeah. I hope he just had like a loaf of a, like a good hearty bread, and then just like popped a candle in it. Oh. And that was like his birthday bread. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, a couple days before that, he wrote, "I couldn't meet Cole in Chicago. <laughs> Disappointing." Bread Club, baby. Oh. And then he posted a picture of a box of bread. Oh, <laughs> yeah, looks like that looks really good. Looks like a, a roll with some margarine and a little, with a little baguette kind of thing. Well, it's like a like a like a twisted baguette. Yeah, like maybe there's like a little rye in that baguette. Maybe Twist it up Ooh. in there. I love a good like marble rye. Yeah. Well, anyway, so. <laughs> Thanks to Satoshi Kojima, as usual, for creating hashtag content for our podcast. Hell yeah, and, and happy thank birthday. You to Megan. Thank you to Megan for your excellent, uh, very detailed Dynamite recap. I try. You're welcome. Thank you to Jenny for winning the champagne bet for All Out. By a quarter of a point. Quarter of a point margin. By a quarter of a point margin. And uh, yeah, we will be back next week at this same special time. With a uh, frequent guest and returning champion, Justin Shapiro. So, I guess I'll say... Looking Wait, f- why is he a returning champion? I don't know. Because he didn't win. That's, well, that's true. I just want to make it very clear that he did not win. I can't wait win. for this to fight to happen with Justin. He didn't win. <laughs> uh, but, I will say this. Um, we always get a lot of uh, a lot of new listeners when Justin is on. So uh, everybody, be on your best behavior next week. <laughs> Let's talk about how we think incest is acceptable only in certain <laughs> situations. <laughs> Come on, he came around to that. 
Well, we definitely got to talk about that. <laughs> we'll need to be addressed next week. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, uh, until then, for Jenny and for Megan, my name is Andy. Thanks for listening to the Elite Beat. Elite Beat. Elite Beat.